the subject for this evening's talk is being in love. The other day I went for a walk um, from here through to the village, through into Budgaya, and I was on my way to uh, see Jamal. He runs the uh, shop called Famous Tailors and is possibly quite well known to a number of you here. And his shop is located just opposite, um, just past the post office on the other side. And just as I was passing by, my eye happened to glance upward to the Deepak uh, Hotel, and there is a balcony on the floor above, and it's a building just a couple of um, doors along from the uh, Kalyana uh, restaurant. And standing on the balcony was a very lovely, extremely uh, beautiful um, young uh, Indian woman looking out over the balcony and down to the uh, street below. And as I walked by, my eye glanced up and uh, simultaneously her uh, eye um, glanced down and, <laughs> <laughs> and her uh, eye smiled and her uh, beauty, um, well the thought that arose at time just filled the universe. And sometimes one wonders when this happens to us in life that we, in our interactions in life, and that one is just passing the moment by going about one's ordinary uh, business and the day-to-day -day run of things. And there's that very brief and very fleeting kind of contact which is made. And it touches one and it seems to immediately bypass all of one's concerns or preoccupations and aims and intentions and so forth and touch some level within us of um, quite deep uh, and immediate response to that moment of beauty and, and I noticed that the immediate response of myself in that situation was just to take uh, one long deep breath could have been a sigh, but it was certainly a breath. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, the moment had passed and had, had gone away and I went to um, meet with uh, Jamal and the incident had come and gone in its own wondrous and fleeting beauty. But I think with love, uh, which touches us, and what I would like to talk to you about here is some of the, the phases of love and how our experience of love may vary quite considerably from person to person and how the interaction of love can be explored with the differences between one human being and another. 
So when I'm speaking here in the, the talk this evening, what I have in mind is the interpersonal relationship, man to a woman, woman to a man, woman to woman, man to man, but also, because I think what is also quite frequently shared is in the religious life where there is a similar kind of state for some people again, and it varies quite considerably, of being in love with the guru, being in love with the, the saviour, being in love with some figure who in some way or other presents for oneself a kind of persona dramatis and one hears of the great love and devotion that people have here in India and elsewhere, of course, for their their, their guru, their religious master, their spiritual teacher, whatever. And I th would say that there are a variety of perhaps phases and experiences which some people go through and all of this is related very much to our heart and our feeling life. It seems so often in the area of love and being in love, that the thoughts themselves don't seem so relevant as to what the quality and the, the sense and the depth of one's own inner feelings are. And we could, in a very you know, simple way, say perhaps that there are three, three phases of, of love which affect certain people. One is the the falling in love. What is occurring to us when we meet somebody, we have contact with that person, that man, that, that woman? Something strikes and touches us so much that we feel and sense ourselves falling in love with the, with the person. And all the intimations and the responses that take place. And there's a kind of high for some people in that, that intensely uh, almost unendurable romantic phase. And our poets and our musicians and our rock stars and, you know, make immense uh, exploration, we might say, of, <laughs> in its most, looking at that in its most positive light, <laughs> of falling in love. But then there is, I think there's a second <coughs> phase too. And the second phase in which there is being in love, being in love, in which that person, whoever that person might be, that guru, that, that lover, is such that the real priority in one's life, above all else, is to have access and opportunity to spend time with that person. And I think the third phase which occurs if we speak of a kind of transitional period of love in those forms, of which they're only some of the forms, of course, is when there is the diminishing of falling in love, there is the diminishing of the state of being in love with that person as the priority, and there's a state of loving that person. And there's a certain kind of transition, generally speaking, in the course of time between these and one of the things which often concerns me in these areas is that there's often, I think, 
from a spiritual standpoint, from a Dharma standpoint, these things tend to be forgotten and neglected. It's like that area of falling in love or being in love with somebody is kind of put to the side and so we talk more comfortably about <coughs> metta, about kindness and uh, friendship and loving kindness and, and compassion and those phases, those expressions of love. But this period, these periods of love which some, and some of you here s experience, some of you talk about, and every day these phases I'm talking about with people, those are very significant areas of one's love life. And I think that what, what I feel is that those areas, when it happens for a person, falling in love, being in love, loving someone, really needs to be, as it were, brought in to spiritual life, really to be included in it, and not, well, that happens to one when one is in one's teens, the kind of romantic uh, uh, fling, of which for some of us it never happened in our teens, too busy doing other things, which is a great pity, but anyway. <laughs> and for others it happens in all manner and phases of our life. And I think that those areas need to be included. And if we just, if I just speak a little bit more about uh, each, um, each one of those. What is ha occurring for us when, out of contact and some immediacy of contact with another human being, there is that first impact and impression, there is some sharing and communication which is taking place, and the contact seems to immediately and uninhibited seems to go straight to some deep sensitivities and inner feelings in ourselves. And we can feel it at visceral level, at a real physical level inside. And what we notice sometimes in that feeling of falling in love, that when that is reciprocated, that other, that man, that woman, that guru or, or whoever, seems to, again, generate the same kind of communication in a whatever the way that that may occur, it seems to accelerate the feeling of falling in love. One is giving, one is, it's happening for one person, it's correspondingly happening for another person, there's a spark which takes place, and the whole feeling, emotional life, is, is highlighted, <coughs> highlighted to such a degree that one forgets one is walking on the earth, one's walking on air. Everything seems to take on a whole new dimension of colour and shape, and people say, what are you so happy about? You know, <laughs> and so once in the contact, in the feeling, one has found someone, and in that finding of someone, there's a certain kind of intensity of such texture to it, that when one is touched by that kind of intensity, every single colour looks a little bit brighter, the day looks a little bit better, India looks a little bit more beautiful. <laughs> and all of that in the phase of falling in love. But what happens to us when there is that kind of impact, that seeing of that woman, that man, and that guru, or whatever, person may, may be, and it doesn't get reciprocated. One feels the sensations, one feels all the vitality, the movement that, that is taking place, 
one feels that intensity of uh, connection <coughs> and attraction, and yet, on the other side, it's a kind of cool smile. At best, <laughs> at best, at best. <laughs> oh, so lovely. <laughs> so in that, in that, sometimes, then, there is still the contact. There is still the feeling which is arising. One can't deny that one is feeling, in, feeling all of this, and yet, in it not coming back, as one would like, so easily into that comes wanting. I want. Sometimes that wanting gets so much, <coughs> so much potency to, to it that the movement of the wanting can become quite insensitive. The person is in another relationship, the person is not interested, the person is li li wishing to live a, a life of at the present of being much more alone, the person is wishes to be uh, uh, celibate, whatever it, whatever it might be. So there's a whole variety of other factors which, for that person, the person doesn't respond. So the feelings are flowing through there, beautiful they are, not to be denied or suppressed. But when it's not coming back, can we, in face of the situation, that we experience that, and that can happen to anybody, obviously, at any time, say, let me feel this. Let me just feel this heartwarming, this opening to this person, and let me feel it in a way which I feel it, but the, feel the contact and the feeling doesn't lead to wanting, and the frustration and pain of wanting. To feel without wanting. And sometimes it seems like we... In, in that, when we look at the facts of the situation, it's not the person's not responding, not, not receiving what we, would, what we would dearly like. Sometimes, the sobering awareness of the fact of the situation, it is not possible. It is not happening. There are sound reasons why this cannot happen, no matter how much one's heart uh, wishes it for it to happen that has a tempering effect on the feelings. Once one says, I'm really, feels I'm really in love with this person, this woman, this man, this teacher, or, or whatever, and they're ignoring me, they're not connecting with me, they're not reciprocating in the same way. In all of that movement that's going on, can we allow the movement just to take place, know the truth of it, and know that since the impact is not being returned, it has a quietening effect on those sensations. I don't think falling in love is the problem. I don't think feeling enhanced and uplifted and delighted with the presence of another is any difficulty at all. I think it just happens sometimes unexpectedly and it happens, but I think when the movement of desire to want to claim, to possess, to touch, to hold, then easily conflict and fear and sorrow come. <coughs> Sometimes in our experience, and particularly in the area of uh, relationship and personal relationship, Sometimes when we look at our life and over the, the years of our life and finding ways to have a, 
a way of living which is uh, respectful to situations, which includes the whole realm and stream of experiences. Sometimes there is that falling in love, it's the mutual reciprocation is taking place. And in that mutual reciprocation, it quietens, it mellows itself, one calls it being in love, I'm calling it being in love with the person. That person, that man, that woman, that teacher, whatever it might be, still the major priority in one's life for the contact and the feeling and all that's awakened inside of one through that contact. In that, that period of time which some people experience, and I would want to make very clear, I don't regard it as at all vital that a person ever has the experience of falling in love in their life, and I don't think it's at all vital that one has the experience of being in love. But it does happen to other people, maybe, but it does happen. So sometimes there's the state of being in love with the person. That person and the two people have formed a relationship together. It's quite clear that the form of the relationship is such that it excludes, in the kind of society and world that you and I live in, it excludes other people from that, and that relationship has a particular kind of symmetry to it, which in some way or other, we would say it's different from other forms of relationship. Quite often in the symmetry of that relationship, since feeling element is so high, high a priority in it, the two people may well reveal and expose and uh, allow feelings to emerge and take place which normally wouldn't ever, anybody else wouldn't even see and probably wouldn't even want to see. <laughs> so sometimes within the context and the dynamic of that form of relationship, the impact of it, because it's a, the, the, sometimes the intensity of the feelings that go with it bring about a kind of interactivity, sometimes intensely beautiful and sometimes intensely conflicting in ways which others wouldn't even know about. In that, all of that can be included, let us say, in the state of being in love. Quite often, I think, in that condition and, and state which a person is experiencing, still the high priority in one's life is highlighting that relationship. That re relationship is excelled, it is uplifted out of the mainstream of all of one's other relationships, and that particular relationship between the man and the woman, the woman and the woman, the man and the man, student, guru, whatever, is made central. Clearly made central. And all that can be in the phase of being in love. That, that being in love may last for a lifetime, or it may last a few weeks, and it seems to vary quite considerably these days if it lasts at all. <laughs> However, in the mellowing yet again, for some people, and again for those of you who are in relationship, you have to check it out for yourself here, Sometimes in that phase, there's a mellowing yet again. And the mellowing again, in the language I am using, is when 
two people have then moved into another phase which they linger. We turn a little bit of life on. I wouldn't call it romantic before, but it was certainly a little easier than this. So in the previous, you can have them all after me, but anyway, it's up to you. So in the previous <coughs> form, there's the phase of being in love. This being in love period, as I say, undergoes a kind of mellowing which takes place, and then we might say, at best, two people still, they love each other. One of the shifts that one notices for some people in the relationship is that the relationship itself may not be at that point the highest priority in one's life. Sometimes it, the shift which takes place is that the relationship has to find its own place, I'm not saying in all cases, has to find its own place in the scheme of the other relationships, the other communications, the other friendships, the other commitments, the work, the companions, etc. And sometimes for one partner or the other, the, love, the two people love each other, warm to each other, friends with each other, but sometimes for one or the other, one is losing the experience of being central in the other person's life. And I think what easily can and does happen and very understandably that it begins sometimes for one partner uh, and sometimes for both it begins to generate some fear the relationships finding its balance and the whole scheme of relationships since life is relationship one partner begins to feel somewhat insecure about the relationship because the other doesn't see it as she or he is so central sometimes remember gurus too, the various forms, men or women, sometimes they begin to feel insecure and they begin to want to exercise control to keep the relationship. Don't go to other teachings, don't explore other teachers, stay with me, you must stay with me. What's the difference? What's the difference? So there's situation where there is love which is there, but it begins to find its place in the whole scheme of things, that love itself doesn't threaten the relationship. Love never threatened anybody but desire. Woof, woof, wicked, wicked. <laughs> and so sometimes it's contact, because people are still together, two people, feeling, still occurring, then desire and holding. So instead of contact, feeling, love, and finding the balance in the scheme of things, it's contact, feeling, desire, and holding. And sometimes, and very, 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 very commonly, sometimes in, in that, one partner then begins to feel the pressure of the other person's holding feel the pressure of being gripped or possessed by the other person. And when any human being begins to feel controlled, possessed, held on to, gripped, quite often the response to it is either to fight or flee. 
the very pressure to hold and keep easily contributes to the withdrawal of the other person or fighting or resentment in other words that, that wanting to keep in the scheme of human relationships easily, easily produces the exact opposite the loss So I think in our relationship to love and our experience of love in, in those close intimate human forms that take place that the exploration and the understanding of that I regard as vital, just vital in human communication. I think traditionally religious life has had an immense degree of discomfort with these explorations even the, the, the Buddha who I have um, immense love and affection for would appear from reading the, the text prefer not to go into these areas and tell people to meditate all the time <laughs> we'll forgive him for his oversights but anyway I love saying these things in Bhagaya, there's a certain satisfaction in it. <laughs> and in these... <coughs> maybe... In these relationships of looking at falling in love, being in love and uh, <coughs> loving someone, sometimes in that transition which takes place in some forms of relationship from being in love to just loving someone, that process and change may for some cause immense difficulty one knows something has changed in the relationship how is one's heart in that in making an accommodation and understanding of that kind of change and sometimes some people and some of you some of us including myself have made decisions on that kind of transition for some going from being in love to falling in, sorry, from being in love to loving someone there's been an understanding of that kind of mellowing and the person feels comfortable with that clear with that, accommodates that and it doesn't impair on the relationship and for others it's being in love to loving someone there's a clear change in feeling, in the sensation which has happened and the person has decided I don't wish to continue in the relationship I am not in love. And all of this, I think, in our heart and our uh, vulnerabilities and our sensitivities with each other, I think it's very important that two people, in terms of uh, interpersonal relationship or relationship with the, the, the guru figure, need to keep very much in touch with each other and what's occurring through the mode of relationships and keeping very, very current with it. As I say, in religious life, and I think Buddhism and other religions, East and West, have, and one of my concerns is, have tended to say this is too much of a hot potato to look into in life. And there's been a kind of emphasis on steering away from that area and in steering away from that area 
be, be celibate, keep out of relationships, do it alone, or whatever. <laughs> I didn't dictate, say what it was then, so I didn't. <laughs> so in that, and I think there has been that leaning in that direction because of some kind of discomfort. And sometimes too much intensity within the relationship itself, that the relationship becomes all-consuming. Remember, I'm still interpersonal and guru-disciple. All-consuming, the relationship. And when the relationship is all-consuming, one cannot feel, think outside of it. And I think what can be a vehicle for real insight and liberating understanding can become imprisonment. <coughs> and it's got something to do with contact feeling and the other responses which emerge out of it. There are some other areas. Sometimes, and just as regularly people will say, and I've never known the experience of uh, falling in love in my life. I've never, this has never ever uh, um, happened to me, and perhaps um, there hasn't been anybody in the world that's uh, touched me in that way. Perhaps the person may say to me, well maybe I'm not just made up that way, maybe the romantic inside of me or what, whatever um, got exhausted in the last lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and as a result, I, um, that doesn't, doesn't happen. And all sorts of uh, uh, reasons which in which that may actually be the case. In that, and there still, however, can be, as it were, the state of being with somebody through the communication of contact and feeling and interaction becomes about the expression of loving that person, an interpersonal loving that person, leading and expressing and showing itself through sexual intimacy, yet there hasn't been any phase of falling in love with the person or being in love with the person, but the two people enjoy each other, two people love each other. And in that lovingness towards each other, it shows itself in the intimacies of physical contact and physical, physical touch, without any falling in love uh, syndrome at work. In that communication, in that falling, in that, sorry, loving someone, one of the questions, often from an ethical point of view here, which does arise, and uh, over the years, and recently I've had many um, discussions about this, is there is still, I notice in the Dharma circles, and uh, seen, and particularly, I think in um, our own kind of society and culture especially, I think one of the most intelligent things that we, uh, our society, our generation and the previous uh, generation which worked uh, hard for this, is that to quite some degree we liberated sexuality from a defined view of its place in the world. And what I mean by that with sexuality is that we, that the traditional stereotyped 
view of sexuality as a field of human experience was somewhat along the lines of contact, engagement, marriage, wedding, and then the first big night. And, and we generations were told, until our recent generations, that this is what was kosher. And anything else was very iffy, if not sinful. And there are still, amazingly, people in the world who have imprisoned sexuality into the state exclusively of marriage, and outside of it, it is really sinful. Religious people. And I think uh, many uh, of us in, uh, over the years have contributed, I think very important and significantly, to liberating sexuality from imprisonment in marriage. And yet it requires, I feel, tremendous awareness and respect and sensitivity towards the potency of sex. And that um, the impactfulness of uh, sex in our, in our life quite frequently impacts one or other person involved, which are either of the genders, sometimes in quite different ways. And what I want to get to here is that one of the questions which arises, any person concerned with spiritual life, and it arises for people who are on the road, it arises for people in the West, is should I, as a person, as a man or a woman in the world, only have sex with another person if I'm in love with the person? if it's really a real expression of really being in love with this person or in the course of time really having come to a real loving of this person and one of its manifestations of it is the sexual experience together. And what I hear from conversations here and and elsewhere that there's quite some discomfort about relationship where two people may travel together and one or both of the two people say, well, actually, I'm not thinking in any way of a long-term relationship, I'm not thinking of uh, commitment in this relationship, and in that, cloud, in that putting out of that message, do people, ha- do people have sex together? What, 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 what's the thought of thought about that? What's your relationship to that when both know that the act itself is part of the pleasure, let us say, of two people being together, knowing they're not in love with uh, each other, knowing they're not going to spend the rest of their lives together, knowing they're not even going to spend the next six months together. What's the relationship to sex in that area? And I think it's one which does require a great deal of mutual respect and sensitivity to this. Because, as I said before, the impact quite often on the man or the woman with regard to sex, it touches, uh, has the potential to touch very deep places inside the human beings. A very, in, you know, most very intimate form of communication. 
And what I hear a great deal is that sometimes two people get together, do whatever, some days, some weeks, then it's not, the situation isn't really talked about together, the sex occurs in it, the intimacy takes place, and one person, without even realising it, regards it as an expression of some closeness with continuity. And then next day the other person is saying, well, you're off to Calcutta, but I'm going to Delhi today. <laughs> <laughs> and so one person, even though both people were quite free and they weren't in another relationship and nobody was getting hurt, but, 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 because it wasn't looked at together, because well, it wasn't discussed together, one person can feel incredibly hurt. Incredibly hurt. And that feeling of being hurt and sometimes being used, either the woman or the man, whatever the situation, can have a long-term erosion on trust. On trust. And I think one's got to tread the ground of intimacy in, the, in human interpersonal relationship very, very carefully because from a Dharma standpoint, or standpoint of liberation, one of the significant con considerations is I don't want to live in this world and cause suffering to other people. I just don't want to live like that. And I think it needs then two people who are spending time together to say to each other, you know, what's our relationship to this? It's no use trying to start talking, you know, once you started the touch, going and you put your arms around the person and you're, you know, kissing them on the straw mat, etc. <laughs> and they expect one or the other to say, well, uh, let's uh, examine this question. <laughs> <laughs> so prior to... <laughs> <laughs> so prior to events some sharing and communication of feelings and contact and situation and honesty is there so that the two people truly are attentive and listening to each other and hearing each other and if one person does get the sense just the intimation that the other person, it would mean so much that they could be left feeling pained and hurt and upset and let down, all of that, then really hear that. They want to, for, for the satisfaction of sex, want to leave suffering in its wake. And I think there's a lot of clarity needed here and there's too much misunderstanding, confusion and unwillingness to explore in these areas. And therefore, I think the Dharma teachings have to go to the hot spots. <laughs> <laughs> In the looking, too, at this area of, of relationship, too, one of, the er one of the considerations is, and I think one has to tread very, very uh, caref carefully here, is the view, and I think it's a con I tend to regard it as... Um, more of a, con um, a conditioned view rather than the one that we look at. And what I have in mind here is continuity of relationship is good, ending of relationship is bad. And this view 
is so strongly conditioned with us that if somebody says, well, I was in a relationship for this amount of time and then the relationship finished, quite often I always say to myself, oh, what went wrong? <laughs> why, do we, why do we think almost, almost automatically end means wrong? Something went wrong with it. And I still remember the lovely woman from California, who, it has to be California, she said, I've been married three times and each of my marriages was a great success. And I think that kind of... (laughs) 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 And I think that kind of attitude is is a really... something I like about that because it's... (laughs) (laughs) It's a kind of turnaround, it's a reverse of the... Yeah, terribly usual conditioned uh, ways of ways of thinking. So again, with relationship and the continuity of of relationship, if a person is moving, and this is keeping in touch with ourselves too much, too quickly, one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, it's not saying very much about the person of people that one is in a relationship with. It's got to be saying something about oneself. What is it, what is it saying? What, is, what do we have to learn from this? If someone has been in a relationship and it's been very, very painful and that relationship which one has been in has finished so easily in the vulnerability and the hurt of ending of a relationship one very easily and understandably is looking for another to give comfort, to give support. So the pain in the ending of one easily sparks us straight into another. We haven't had time to understand and go into, explore that what happened in the relationship and right straight away, minutes sometimes, <laughs> one's hardly got out of the hotel door or the door and somebody's there saying, where shall we go for coffee, or whatever. <laughs> and I think if one is coming out of a relationship, and, uh, and particularly if it's been painful in the end of that relationship, Dharma wisdom applies, and one of its applications is have some discernment which says, let me give it a little space and time. Let me just stay out of the field of relationship. Let me give myself some space to reflect on my relation, on that past relationship. What can I learn from that? What, what is it I need to understand about that? And in that, those quiet reflections and giving time and space means making allowances, and the Buddha said this very well, he said, he said, with feeling life, it's different from thoughts. Thoughts, like this, come and go. But feelings which are hot, feelings, burning feelings, sometimes when it does burn at the end of the relationship, those feelings that have to become cool. And one needs to give the feelings space to become cool, he said. Each time we're getting negative, reactive, he did this, she did that, and again sometimes and it's gurus as much as interpersonal. Why are they like this? Why do they do this? Why do they do In that, all of that reactivity keeps the fire burning inside. And sometimes our 
metta meditations, our loving-kindness meditations, our forgiveness meditations, all of those themes and, and practices which we do here, when there's conflict in relationship, we can then really begin to see just where our friendship and our loving-kindness is. It's very easy to direct it to the whole planet and all sentient beings. <laughs> and anybody can do that. Anybody. What about the person who's just left you for another lover? <laughs> That's where we see where we're measuring where we are with things and other things. So in that transition from ending a relationship which <coughs> for some has been painful, let's have some commitment to time and space, not rushing into the next one, because if we do, samsara, wandering on, which is what the word means, from one thing to another, history will almost for sure repeat itself. Because we haven't matured through the previous situation. Another factor too, in relationship and in the phases of the relationship, is in coming to end of relationship, and I'm, not, I'm trying not to speak here as though every relationship is doomed to end, but <laughs> since a number of them do, in, and uh, these days I'm told, in, for example in Britain, um, within five years of anybody getting married in the last two or three years, within five years, 50% of the marriages will have finished. Within five years of people getting married for a second time, two-thirds of them will finish within five years. This is the, the galloping rate of uh, changes in uh, relationship. So since interest in arising and the beginning and the middle is there with relationships, I think we ought to be aware always of the possibility that this marriage wasn't made in heaven or this relationship. And it might have been made between two people and one of them might have changed their mind at some point. And I think, what is it that can help keep us in touch with that? Help keep us open to the possibility and the vulnerability that relationships may change. And sometimes, in many conversations with people, and looking at my own uh, life as well, it doesn't mean to say that because the relationship changed, there was something wrong with the relationship. Sometimes it just changes. And two people decide <coughs> they would change the form of the relationship. And usually the change, you've been in a relationship with somebody, interpersonal, it's very intimate, you end, the two people agree to end the relationship, sometimes the change in it is very simple. They don't go to bed with each other at night. That's the change. Before they did, now they don't. I remember when they say, when I, with Christina, a friend of mine, we were in a relationship together, we lived in a community, we didn't, we ended the relationship by um, uh, mutual uh, uh, agreement, we're both uh, Dharma uh, teachers, and at that time, 